Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, as well as verses 22 to 25. We're going to dip into Acts 6 a little bit, but I'm not going to read that one for you. I'll just kind of talk about it. But James chapter 1, 19 to 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How many failed at that this morning? Already. Quick to be angry. I was a little chirpy this morning. A little chirpy. I asked for forgiveness from Michelle. Everything's fine now. Our marriage is safe. James 20, uh, chapter 1, 22 to 25 goes, Do not merely listen to the word. And we're talking about scripture here. And so deceive yourself. Do not merely listen to it. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Okay, so when we talk about the law, when the New Testament talks about the law, we're not necessarily talking about the strict rules, okay? There's a bigger picture here. When Christ came, he, he took away that, and he is now perfect, and we are under him, and he is freedom, and he is love, and he is grace, and he is peace, and he is kindness. Um, when we look and read Scripture, we have to be careful that we don't take something that has been said, and sometimes we take things literally, and there are certain portions of Scripture that are not to be taken literal, they're to be taken as poetic, and we've talked about this before. They're to be taken as historic, right? They're, they're, there's all sorts of different love letters, and then there's also culturally contextual letters that are for a specific reason, okay? And the best example I can use of that is the favorite uh, wedding verse that everybody wants, the love chapter in Corinthians, where love is patient, love is kind. And then at the end of all these things, they want, everyone wants you know, us to say, well, love is patient, love is kind. And then you know, women are to submit to their husbands. That is not what you think it means. Because first of all, just after that, it says Christ, or men uh, also treat your wives as Christ did the church. And what, is, what did he do? Died for it, right? Died for the church. So... So we've got to be careful how we word things and how we interpret things. Otherwise, we're going to get in trouble, especially when I've raised my whole family that women um, are awesome and have every right to do whatever they want to do. Yes? Some are going, uh, wait, no. <laughs> now, men, you're in trouble when you go home. When, when we learn to listen, Within the church, like you've probably heard this in premarital counseling, you've probably heard this in counseling, is to listen to what people are saying. And in the church, we tend to not listen very well because we have strong opinions. It's okay to have strong opinions. Strong opinions are fine. Uh, but a lot of times, we miss what the other person is saying. So when we learn to listen to the grievances of people who are feeling marginalized, brothers and sisters, when we listen to them with love and respect... We allow the Holy Spirit to weed out any sin and any injustice, any wrongdoing that has taken roots in our own hearts, in our own lives, and in the church. 
And, then we're, and what it does is it frees us to serve our neighbors as God has called us to do when we listen. If we don't listen, how are we going to hear what's being said? And we're going to learn to listen with the intent of understanding so that God can actively work through us uh, to respond to the immediate needs of those around us. And in this chapter, James gives us some real great practical advice. I really like James for this because I'm a practical guy. I'm not a mystical person. doesn't mean I don't believe that there's spiritual things that happen that are unseen. But I'm a practical guy. I like to see things happen. I want to see people helped. I want to see stuff just happen. And James gives us these great things. And what, what does he say? He says, well, the church, this is how we should approach complex and difficult topics, such as inequality, injustice, marginalization that's taking place in our society and in our churches. And he says this, know this. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, or listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow, slow to be angry, quick to hear. How many times are we quick to be angry and read into things? When we're quick to listen, we are making the conscious choice to respect the other person's words, experiences, and intentions by actively hearing them out before making any judgment whatsoever or counter-arguments. How many like to argue for the sake of arguing? <laughs> I, I'm not a priest. You don't have to confess. But we like to be right. When someone comes up to you and says, you're so dead wrong, it's embarrassing. That, that's, that hurts, right? That cuts, cuts deep. We don't like being wrong. And anytime we do anything and someone questions us, we can get our backs up a little bit, right? So we're doing something and other people are like, that's ridiculous, why are you doing that? And you're just like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's the, the stress levels get up, so you're either fight, flight, right, or freeze. We do that. Most of the time we will argue, but other times we just won't say anything. Then we get hurt feelings, and then we hoard those in. That becomes bitter. Like, there's so much where it goes. And we're all, we're all able to do this. We're all able to take things personally. But we need to hear people out. There's an article published um, by this group called the Public Speaking Project, and it helps helps us understand why active listening and helps us understand what it is and why it's important uh, when engaging in discussions with people uh, who have different experiences or have different viewpoints or perspectives than us. We don't all have the same perspectives. We don't all have the same viewpoint, and that's okay. It's when we discard those viewpoints. I've learned a lot from some of my atheist friends about how they perceive God and how they perceive Christians. And it makes me step back and go, are we projecting this? And it makes me question things I say and do and how I do them. It's okay. But if I just went to an atheist who says, well, I don't believe there's any God. And I went, well, guess what? There is, and you're going straight to hell. Friendship over, pretty much. And so I want to hear. I'm like, well, you know, why do you think the way you think? And what's the reasoning? And some of their arguments are valid, valid. But a lot of the arguments are based on what Christians have done. 
not on what God has done. And that's where we get it all confused. So it speaks of, this article speaks of a couple things. It talks of three things, and I just want to briefly just go over them with you. It talks about attention. It talks about active listening. Active listening is actually very difficult to do. You have to actually focus. How many have been sitting in a meeting, even this week, and you start to fade? After about 15, 20 minutes, you start to fade. Not right now, you don't. You've still got another five minutes before I, have you, I lose you. But you're sitting in a meeting, and you fade. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's bad. i got to focus. i got to focus. i got to focus. And, and it's, it's, it's actual work to, to listen intently to what somebody else is saying. Um, one way to help you become a better active listener, I'm just going to give you a little tidbit here, is when you're in a meeting, write on a sticky note or put something in front of you that says, listen, <laughs> because it will jar you to listen. Because we start to fade out. We start to think, oh, I got stuff to do. And you're sitting in a chair, you're tired, you start to get sleepy. You know, uh, I, I don't know how many meetings, you know. I, actually, I remember when I used to sit on, in my last church years and years ago, I used to sit on chairs in the back right here. And us holy men of God would sit there while you all worshipped, and we'd be like, what a great thing. And I'd open my Bible, and my eyes would go. And I wore glasses at the time, and people thought I was just in deep prayer. Well, sort of. It's catching up on some sleep as my Bible's open. So then I look very spiritual. But as you sit down, you start to get, you, you just start to relax, things start to happen. You have to pay attention. You have to, so putting a note or something, writing it down, and it says, listen, will make you listen. It'll help you hear what the person, other person is saying. Now, it becomes difficult because here, the, the, the second part, you've got to have attention, you want to listen. The second part is attitude. How many have been in a meeting at work or wherever, I wouldn't say church because this would never happen, where the person is speaking and you're like, I don't care what they say. It doesn't matter what comes out of their mouth. I don't like them. They're wrong no matter what they say. No matter what they say, guess what? Your opinion means zero to me, and I'm going to fade you out. Ever seen Charlie Brown? Wah, wah, wah. We've all done it. I don't like them. You have no valid point at all. And it's difficult to put those personal issues aside when somebody's talking, because their point may be valid, but I'm going to disregard it, because I don't like them. So we don't want to do that. Telling yourself that this person, is a, their opinion is a waste of time is not, is not the greatest place to be, and it's going to impact how you listen to what they say. Um, approaching the task of listening with a positive attitude and an open mind will make the act of listening a whole lot easier. That's when we put our pride aside. That's when we put our ego aside and go, you know what, I'm going to hear what they have to say. They're not my style of person, but I'm going to listen to their viewpoint because it may be valid and it may be important and it might get us to the next step of whatever we're trying to accomplish. So it happens. We all know, I don't know if you've ever taken personality tests before, but personality tests help Teams, staff teams and all sorts of other teams deal with how to talk to other people and how they view you and how you view them. And those are really important. If you're in a job and you haven't done that with your team, it would be important to talk to your uh, lead person or if you're the lead person, bring them in. There's free ones online that just give you a quick idea because a lot of people will be the type of person that 
will give you this big story, and they'll take you on a roundabout, beautiful journey all the way through the forest. You'll see the trees, the ocean, everything, and finally they get to the point, and you're like, whoa, whoa that, was, that was a long, drawn-out process, but we got there, right? And other people are direct into the point. The staff used to think I was angry with them because they'd send me these big, long emails, and I'd be like, sounds good, see you tomorrow. And they'd be like, what, what did I say? Is he mad at me? And I'm just like, no, your email was so long. I got it. Yep, see you tomorrow, right? It's, and that's not a bad thing. It's just how they communicate, right? Or I say, let's talk tomorrow. <laughs> I got called out. Okay. Sounds good. What do I say? We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow. And then everybody's all upset coming in on pins and needles. And I'm like, I'm happy. What's going on? I don't know what happened. So communicate, we need to learn. So they needed to learn that I communicate quickly and to the point, right? And that's okay. I'll make decisions based quickly, um, but others like to discuss. And there's nothing wrong with that. I had to learn that, though. I had to be like, I'm going to have to give more information. I'm going to actually have to read the full email. And I have to go, yeah, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> so we all learn how to do that. But it takes effort to sit down and go through. It does. And so in your job, and wherever you are, in school, whatever it is, think about how you respond to things, your attitude, think about your attention to what's happening and what's being said. Um, it's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to go, well, I've been this way my whole life. And many people will say, I've been this way my whole life. I'm not going to change. It's like, well, that's not, a, that's not, a, that's not good. You, you, you want to always improve. You always want to be better and communicate and be the best you can be. Why not listen and see what you can learn? And be aware of the psychological death spots which impair our ability to perceive or understand uh, what someone else is saying uh, to counter our convictions. Now, um, Paige pulled out a nice psychological book for me one day and said, you are psychologically deaf in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't believe them books you got there. <laughs> you put them book learning things away. But there are things that I just can't hear psychologically. <laughs> and be aware of them, though. Learn. And I took her words, and I went, Ugh, I hate it when they're right. It just really bugs me. But that's, a, that's another death spot. So anyways, I took it, and I ran with it, and I'm trying to figure out where my death spots are psychologically. I have perfect hearing, as I tell my family. I can hear everything all the time except what you're saying because of all the other noise around me. So if I'm in a restaurant, I have trouble hearing because first of all I have tinnitus so I have a high-pitched I think it's about uh, it's the C note that is like it's giving it all the time in my ears um, and I struggle with hearing what's right in front of me unless I really focus right and so focus and attitude make a big difference so if I just ignored everything I wouldn't be learning on trying how to improve myself in that way and so there's a lot of types of phrases, too, when you have, when you have a, an, things can trigger you. I call them trigger words. There can be an emotional eruption. There are words that set you off when someone's talking. So if someone says to me, that's my bad, I have to take a step back. Because I'm like, yeah, it is your bad. And I'm going to make it your worst. Because to me, that sounds like no one's taking responsibility. It doesn't mean they are, though. It doesn't. It's my issue. But when someone says, my bad, instantly I get tense and tight and just, Wah. Now, Christian does say that. <laughs> but I know him well enough 
that, that he's just saying, it's my bad, I'm going to fix it. Whereas I've had other experiences where someone will say, it's my bad, and that's all it is. It's just their bad, and that's not acceptable. <laughs> it's like, it's your bad, you're going to fix it. It has to be done. So we have to be careful. That I call those trigger words. I don't, do you have trigger words in your life that set you off? I used to tell them to our previous senior pastor all the time, just to get a rise out of them. It was fun. <laughs> he had sayings he didn't like. I'd say, you know what, Pastor Ted, you're just going to have to eat the meat and pick out the bones. He hated that saying, and I loved it because of the rise I got. I'm a button pusher. If there's something, don't tell me that bothers you because I'm going to be all over it just for fun. People don't like that, which I found out. Sometimes the hard way. But the trigger words can set you off, but you have to realize that's you. That's a part of you that's setting off. It's not necessarily them. Okay? So we've got to deal with ourselves uh, more on a regular basis. So in the end, any discussion you have, you have a choice to agree or to disagree with someone's point of view. But you can do it with love and you can do it with grace because it's about the relationship, right? Now, we all make mistakes. We're all going to hurt someone's feelings. We're all going to have problems. It's going to happen. But that's when someone needs to extend you the grace and the forgiveness and the love. The third point in this article that it talks about is adjustment. In order to be flexible, we need to be willing to false, follow someone down that rabbit hole that they take you. Uh, and again, I'm not a huge rabbit hole guy. I don't like it. Get to the point, please, right now. But eventually we're going to have to do it in order to hear their point of view because of how they communicate, because of their personality. When someone approaches us with, with information that conflicts with our understanding of what we believe, it is n a normal human response to feel defensive. Okay, I was a vegan for a few years. When I go to people's places and say beforehand, I'm vegan, they were instantly offended. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're not the one only eating vegetables all the time. It's not, your <laughs> it's not you, it's me. I'm the one doing it. You can eat all the meat you want. But I'm like, I just eat vegan. And they didn't like it. They would be offended because it contradicted what they believed. Right? Because what's wrong with all foods? Nothing. I was doing it for a reason, but people didn't like it. And then, you know, then you stop getting invited out for dinner because you're the vegan. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Now I set a trend. Everybody wants to be vegan or vegetarian, so you're welcome. I did it for you, but now I love me some beef. So that's how we do it. I did have a little bit of a glitch, though, one day. I met a baby cow at a fire once. Yeah, and it was in the little huts. Yeah, it wasn't in there because it had its own new little home. Uh, it was going to become veal. And so I instantly, we had the fire, I saw the little cow, and I'm like, I got to, <laughs> I gave her a name, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's very emotional. Um, and I text Michelle right from the fire, I said, boom, do you see this cow? If you want to see it, it's on my Instagram, she's a cutie. She's probably dead now and was eaten, but I wanted to save her. I wanted to save her, and I was going to, I went up to the farmer, and I'm like, I want that cow. Like, I want the cow. I know you just had a horrific barn fire, but I want your cow, because you're going to kill it, and I don't want to save it. And Michelle's like, what are we going to do with a cow? Where are you going to put a cow? 
in the backyard, cut the grass, right? You don't have to pay the lawn guy anymore. Anyways, I didn't get to keep the cow, so I was very sad, but very cute, very cute cow. But it's all about how we hear things, it's all about how we listen, it's all about our attitudes, it's all about how we come at that perspective. But we can be offended when our, when our, um, when our foundational belief system is questioned, okay? And, and that's where it becomes tough. So I would encourage you to wait people out and hear what they have to say. And think about it. Don't make an emotional response right away. But we, when we choose to listen with the intent to understand what someone is trying to share with us, even if it's stemming from a place of anger or from hurt from that other person or it's impacting you in a negative way, uh, rather than immediately going defensive, we need to open up space for dialogue that can be beneficial for everyone. And we've seen a lot of that anger come out in the last couple of years with what's going on, different opinions about a whole bunch of stuff, especially in the Christian world. But we need to hear it. And if I disagree with you or you disagree with me, that's okay. We can still move forward because we have one thing in common, and that's Jesus Christ, and that's what we need to focus on more than anything. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 21 to 26, the Apostle Paul writes that all the members are of one body, uh, and that every part of the body is made for a specific function within the whole part of the body, and that one part of the body, when one part of the body is suffering or is ignored, the entire body is suffering. So when you think about that in what his, his illustration is, you think of the appendix. How many have had their appendix removed? Okay, how many had, don't even know they have one? Right, because it's a very tiny thing. They used to not understand what this was. In the, in, and it wasn't until the, the early 2000s that they figured out what the appendix did. And the appendix has a lot of, it, do, it does a lot of things, but it really helps with your digestive system, your immune health. It actually functions as something. But that little piece of flesh, that little organ, that little thing, can also kill you if you get appendicitis, right? Bad, real bad. If you don't get to the hospital right away, you'll get septic, you will die. Researchers know that this plays an effective role in their life. Now, most of us will go along our whole life without even realizing that or aware of this, but for the individual who gets a negative impact from that with appendicitis, who is going to know that it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. And the same is true with the church body. One, pers- one person's suffering might be seem inconsequential to you or over-exaggerated to the rest of the people who haven't experienced the same grief or hurt or pain that is caused by, that, that's been caused to these people. And by downplaying it or ignoring their experience, it ultimately brings harm to all the body, to everyone. So we need to be careful that we don't disregard people. Um, We see a a very strong godly example of leadership in Acts chapter 6 in active listening. Uh, Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 7. And Jerusalem, the church there was very brand new. And the disciples had been approached by Greek believers who were concerned that only the Jewish widows were receiving food and care from the church. Now, this is, a, this is a serious issue at the time. And so rather than becoming upset or angry and chastising everyone uh, who brought the problem to their attention and pointing fingers and, uh, that those were ignoring other people, the disciples put their heads together and created a solution that pleased, in verse 5 of that chapter, that pleased the whole gathering. The solution 
not only established church deacons and, and ensured equal care of all widows, but it resulted in the spread of the gospel and an increase in the number of new believers, including some who may have stood in opposition to Christ during his ministry. And so this biblical example gives us a really good example of how the action of the congregation can and does impact the greater change in the church as a whole when we put our own selfish desires aside. Now, James takes active listening a little step further in our scripture today. And James, in, uh, verse, in chapter 1, uh, 22 to 25, where he writes that hearing the word without actively listening to it and doing what it says is spiritually worthless if you don't know what it is, if you don't hear what's being said. What good is it if we come to church on a regular basis and we don't listen we don't actively do something about it we're not being transformed by the words of scripture what good is coming to church if we don't actually go out and do and that's where i come back with the practical thing right we hear the words but do we actually do anything about it the most common behavior in scripture that jesus rebuked was this he rebuked them because they used the law to elevate themselves morally and economically, to make money, uh, they missed out on the transformative power of a deep and personal relationship with their Heavenly Father and the blessings that came from Him by serving others in Jesus' name. They did it out of selfishness. They came to church because of selfishness. They stood on the street corners out of selfishness. They their actions were selfish because they wanted to be seen as spiritual, but they didn't hear what the word was saying. They just did it without knowing what it was. And then so their definition became about ego instead of about Jesus Christ. And so he rebuked them on a regular basis. So when we're quick to listen, we're quick to hear, we are less concerned about our own personal interests. We put ego aside, and we're more concerned about how the Scripture teaches us to respond to the needs of others. And I love our church for that, the amount of things we're involved in in our community with the lunch program and the kitchen, the Cloverdale kitchen. Um, these are all incredible things. And with our kids' ministries and youth ministries that are happening, these are all important ministries to help others in tough times. We can, we can then evaluate that when, when we are looking at Scripture properly and when we're seeing the needs of others, we can evaluate um, the need, the expressed need in the same way um, the disciples did, asking God for wisdom on how to address the need, uh, repenting of any sins in our past, and moving forward with a plan of action that will get us to where we need to be for Christ. And it ensures everyone is cared for, regardless of who they are. And this brings healing to the church. It brings healing to the organization uh, and our communities. And they'll see that we're demonstrated, that we are people of integrity uh, who serve God. And we show it without favoritism. So I want to challenge you today to ask God. We're going to go to uh, the community table. I'm going to ask the band to come up and the service to come up. And what I'm going to get you to do is when they sing, we're going to stand. I'll get you to stand in a minute. Uh, and just come up and take the emblems. Uh, they are... Um, single serve you don't you just peel it off like we've done before i uh, just come they will hand them out to you for you to use them 
Um, but ask God to reveal areas where you are guilty of choosing comfort in the status quo, where you are uh, thinking about yourself rather than others, uh, than listening to the needs of others in our community who have uh, been marginalized, mistreated, or ignored because of their race, their past, their economic status, uh, their stigmatism of maybe illness or chronic health conditions, all those things. Um, ask God to reveal that to you today. And as we do communion this morning, think about your relationship with God and ask Him to show you, show you areas of your life you need to work on. And He will. And He will. And He'll walk you through that. If you need to ask forgiveness from, to someone, if you need to go up to them, do that as well. There's many things we need to work on on a regular basis with our faith in Jesus and with our relationships. And so I just ask that you would ponder as we do commune, as we think about it. So I'm going to ask the servers if they would come. I'm going to get you to stand uh, with us as the band leads us in a song, and then we're going to take communion together.